Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population, Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-pronged theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I am your host on Yoga Birth Babies. And thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And today we're going to talk water birth, why you want to do it, how it's great for you and your baby. And we have Barbara Harper here to talk about it. She's really quite known for this in her field. So let me tell you guys a little bit about her. Barbara Harper is an internationally recognized expert on water birth and gentle birth, a published author and founded Water Birth International in 1988 with one goal in mind, to ensure that water birth is an available option for all women. During the past four decades, Barbara has worked as an obstetric and pediatric nurse, midwife, midwifery instructor, childbirth educator, doula and doula trainer, and has used her vast experience to develop unique seminars, which she teaches within hospitals, nursing schools, midwifery and medical schools, and community groups worldwide. She was recognized in 2002 by Lamaze International for her contributions in promoting normal birth on an international level. Her best-selling book and DVD, Gentle Birth Choices, which I read and is fantastic, has been translated into nine languages so far. Her next book, Embracing the Miracle, The Science, Safety, and Spirit of Birth and Water, will be ready for publication in 2017. Barbara has dedicated her life to changing the way we welcome babies into the world. She considers her greatest achievement, though, her three adult children, two of whom were born at home in water. She lives in Boca Raton, Florida, where she is an active, where she's active in the community as a volunteer and as a midwifery and doula mentor. And with that, Barbara, I welcome you to my podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you, Deborah. It's a pleasure to be here today. Oh, thanks. So for those that don't know you or don't understand uh, water birth, can you talk a little bit about what drew you to embracing and advocating for water birth? Um, I was introduced to water birth in 1983 when uh, a woman that I met in my pediatric nursing practice was pregnant with her sixth baby and she said, I want to have a water birth. And I said, what's that? (laughs) Um, And I was intrigued with what she told me and I started researching it, went to a medical library, couldn't find anything written on it. Um, I contacted a few people that I trusted in the midwifery community and uh, started learning that it was an option in France and and had been used in England. And I I just was attracted to it immediately. Um, Fast forward nine months and, um, well, actually about seven months, and she gave birth in water, but I helped her set everything up. I created the tub. I 
uh, worked with the midwife uh, to educate her on everything that I had gleaned to that point. And nine months after her birth, I gave birth in water. So I was so attracted to it that I got on a plane and went to France to meet Frédéric Laboyer, who introduced the the French uh, uh, or uh, the system of putting babies in warm water immediately after birth. And that was popular in the 70s, early 80s. I had actually seen it in the hospital as a practicing nurse. And uh, I thought that all all made sense because those babies just unfolded and relaxed and didn't cry. And this is just taking it one step further and allowing the baby to be born in water. So I, I was naturally attracted to it and started researching it right away and, and then started documenting from my own birth. I, I turned to my midwife, the same one that had helped the, the other woman. And uh, said, oh, my God, this was so easy. We have to tell women how amazing it is. That's amazing. So you had two in water and one out of water. Do you remember? I mean, I know they're adults now, but do you remember the difference? Oh, my God, yes. Um, my uh, daughter's birth, and she's heard this story many <laughs> times, and um, it was a day out of hell. Um <laughs> And I worked in that hospital up to 24 hours prior to giving birth, but I had no extra privileges. It was in the days of um, being strapped to a table. You couldn't move, legs up in stirrups. Uh, Drugs were given to me without my permission or consent. Uh, An episiotomy after the baby was born because it was on the doctor's, the, the resident's list of things to do, and he forgot to do it during the birth, so he did it after the birth. Uh, for the placenta. Uh, and and I think the worst part of her birth was the immediate separation. I didn't get to hold her, kiss her, touch her. They, they held her up and said I had a girl and off she disappeared for 14 hours. Oh, wow. And, and it was torture. And that's why I do what I do. My, um, I dedicated my book, Gentle Birth Choices, to my daughter because she has become just an amazing mother. My grandson is 18 years old um, and just started his first year of uh, university. But her birth and that immediate separation, I knew was wrong. And we were doing it in every hospital in the U.S. and every hospital around the world. It's still going on, that immediate separation. And we've learned so much. And many of the lessons that I've learned about gentle birth have originated through the water birth practice. That's great. The first birth I saw as a home birth, as a doula, was a water birth. And I was struck by the difference between what I had experienced as a doula thus far in hospitals and then just the, I guess the best word is gentle, calm, gentle, soft, uh, open. Those are the words that come to my mind when I think about that birth. And it was really amazing to see the, the difference. So for those that don't know water birth, that's a new concept to them. Can you describe what a water birth means? Yeah. Um, And I I find it hard that anybody doesn't know about water birth today um, because in 2016, it's all over YouTube, uh, the Internet. And um, I have it on the best of authority that Princess Kate may have given birth in water, just doesn't want to talk about (laughs) it. 
but Hollywood stars, um, you know, it people are, are blog about it, and and my website has been up since I think 1993. It was one of the very first websites, um, but uh, it, you can labor in water, um, getting getting into the water anytime you want, and it, to ease your um, um, or to make your your labor more comfortable. And the difference for me, when I got into the water and I sunk down into it, I was about eight centimeters dilated. And I wasn't getting in the water uh, sooner than that because my midwife didn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) I was by myself for about... um, six hours. This was uh, my second baby. So uh, I just hung out, got in the shower, uh, filled my tub, put on, you know, lit the incense and the candles and bought flowers. And, and I was staying at home, so I wasn't in any rush. But that very day, at the minute I sunk down into the water, I said, Oh, my God, uh, the 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 intensity of the contractions were still there, but I didn't feel it the mm-hmm. same way as out of the tub. It was night and day, just completely night and day. And as I've worked with uh, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women in labor and thousands of providers, they say the same thing. The uh, I call it the ah <laughs> effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You just sink down into that water. Now, Wallace Nichols is a marine biologist, PhD, who wrote a book and published it in 2014. And his book is titled Blue Mind, How Being Near, On, In, or Underwater Changes Your Brain. Um, But even before Wallace Nichols published that book and made us very aware of the chemical brain changes that happen, even when we're standing near water, um, uh, Dr. Vern Katz had studied the impact of of, um, pregnant women being in water to reduce their um, uh, swelling in their feet and and things like that for women who had uh, edema. And he talked about the brain chemistry and what happens when we get into the water, especially when it's deep enough to support our weight and cause buoyancy. Our our um, heart actually signals our brain to release a chemical that goes to the kidneys, um, and that chemical um, it changes the the balance between oxytocin and vasopressin. Mm-hmm. Vasopressin is, is a, a, basically a stress hormone, but we need it to control our kidneys and our blood pressure. And when we get into the water, we receive more oxytocin. We receive more endorphins that go along with the oxytocin. So it becomes a a transcendent or transformative experience. We go, ah, <laughs> and and we tend to relax more um, because I I always tell my um, my childbirth classes and and every MD and and nurse and midwife that takes my courses that childbirth happens first in your brain and then it translates to between your legs. <laughs> So childbirth happens between your ears, not your legs. And if we are in a calm, centered, focused, relaxed state, 
then the baby who has a pre-programmed biological imperative, it's, it's been programmed neurologically in the brain to go through special maneuvers and reflexes to get out. So if you are in a deep, deep state of sumadhi, you're, you're in, a, in a yogic sleep, so to speak, mm-hmm. that baby would still crawl out. You wouldn't have to push. You wouldn't have to um, breathe extra hard or, or do anything because the baby, the, the ejectile forces of your uterus combined with the neurobiological programming of the baby, and they work together without interference. And what causes babies to not do that is fear. Fear just shuts down the system, reduces the oxytocin, reduces the endorphins, um, and uh, and takes over. It's like a, a program that that um, uh, subst- uh, substitutes for this calm, relaxed state. And so, if you're tense and and worried and working really hard, and somebody's yelling at you from the outside, push, 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 push. Um, we have so much fear around birth, and the the spiritual side of water is that our fear tends to disappear when we're in the water because of that transcendent state that we get into. Yeah, my I have I had both my babies at home, and my second, I the midwife basically had to drag me out of the shower. I was about to start pushing, and she's like, it was a very small bathroom, so she's like, okay, let's just try to come out, and I just didn't want to. My first one, I think I'm the odd exception. I actually found I was more uncomfortable in the water, and I think that was because he was malpositioned, and getting in the water positioned him better, and it was more painful. So I didn't have the best experience. I had the whole tub set up. Um, you know, I think it was also a little weird for me feeling I was in the middle of my living room naked while everyone else was dressed. That felt a little strange, but, um, for, yeah. most, for most people, the water is great. And yeah, my second, I just loved the shower, the seclusion, the water, the sound. I don't know yeah. if you've ever heard that kind of thing before. Oh, totally. And, um, you get the same oxytocin rush, not as complete as being submerged in water, uh, you know, up to your breasts, mm-hmm. but. Uh, just being in the shower um, uh, hits your skin, and when your skin uh, your skin has so many receptors, sensory receptors, and when those are stimulated with the water flowing over your skin, it also releases a huge amount of oxytocin. Yeah, I, so you get a similar benefit for sure. It's one of my favorite as a dual and non pharmaceutical form of pain management. Unfortunately, a lot of the women that give birth in hospitals don't necessarily have access to it if they're stuck on full-time monitors. Yeah, and we have waterproof monitoring and auscultation and even telemetry. I've helped establish water birth practices in over 300 hospitals in the U.S. and go in and teach them and, and give them the protocols. Now, there there is an objection from the American College of Obstetricians. They were pretty stringent about it in 2014. Yesterday, uh, on October 24th, uh, 2016, they released a revised statement, and it wasn't as strict. They said, hey, look, water labor is fantastic. 
we're just not sure about the water birth for the, for any benefits for mother and baby, um, but at least they looked at some of the uh, the research that has been published since 2005. In their previous article, they hadn't looked at any of the research that had been published, and we have overwhelming research, over a hundred thousand cases on paper that have been published, hospital home birth, birth center births that that state unequivocally that uh, babies actually do better when they're born in water. So, but this statement that they released said, um, uh, if your provider is offering water birth, just check with them and have them tell you all the terrible things that could go wrong, uh, which they say about home birth, which they say about birth center birth, uh, all of that. And uh, and if you're providing water birth in a hospital setting, be sure that you uh, select your patients according to good criteria, basically your low risk um, and um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing a blog about that uh, to publish on Monday uh, about this new paper. But I I thought it was actually a very positive article um, um, that said you know look have your protocols in place um, uh, follow a certain guideline and that's what I teach professionally to midwives, doctors, and nurses in hospitals in the U.S. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. That's great to hear. Uh, what I'm finding, in, at least in New York City, is that there's not a lot of options. The telemetry is in one hospital, but it's just not as available. Um, no. So it becomes... A problem, a little give and take between what care provider will allow for intermittent monitoring and then the protocols of the hospital. So it's a little fighting situation to get the clients in the shower or tub. Well, when somebody calls me from New York City, I give them a list of home birth midwives. <laughs> <laughs> and I also give them a list of hospitals in New Jersey that welcome women. Their uh, Morristown uh, Community Medical Center has a 40% water birth rate in, in just one of their nurse midwifery practices. So women will take the drive and go over there, stay in a hotel, and, have, and, and then go into Morristown Hospital and have their baby. But this country is, um, in particular, difficult because of the the fear of litigation, and mm -hmm. it's that risk management. There was a risk manager uh, at uh, Long Island Jewish Hospital when I was there to give them an in-service that basically looked at me and and said, um, um, uh, you know, I I would. Uh, 
be hesitant to do this because of uh, if any complication happens, uh, they're not going to get out of the tub soon enough. And then I'm going to have a big lawsuit and we're going to have to pay out a big money. And 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 the the uh, and that's why they don't do V-backs. That's why they don't do um, uh, V-backs in the water, for God's sakes, you know. Um, so we're ruled by the insurance company. Uh, and some doctors just have their hands tied because of that. Um, and we're chipping away at it little by little with all the research and, um, and good outcomes. But water birth is a choice. Um, and uh, for women that have a few complexities of labor. Now, if you go to a place like China, I, I introduced it there in 2005 and already I've been at the very same hospital where I introduced water birth in Shanghai in 2005 has already had 7,000 births in water, one hospital, but they have the population. Um, My book, Gentle Birth Choices, was just released this May in Chinese and has already sold 13,000 copies in just a few months. So they're they're hungry for alternatives. But if you step into a traditional, typical Chinese hospital, it's like going back to the 1960s where every woman is in stirrups and, and the whole kit and caboodle. So at least, you know, when I come home from Egypt or Greece or um, South America, uh, I'm I, I go up to the first doctor I see and, and shake their hand and say, thank you for offering choices in this country because we, we women do have choices. My, my daughter and eventually my, my grandchildren will have many more choices than I did in 1978. So for the most part, where does the U.S. stand compared to other countries? It sounds like we're kind of behind on the idea of accepting water births. Are you finding that the majority of other countries accept this as an option? Well, um, water birth is currently offered uh, as an option in hospitals in 102 countries. And um, I think the, the, the U.S. has made more strides than, than we give them credit. Good. And I tend to um, uh, you know, talk about that in, in all the different places. Um, but in the U.K., yes, there's 274 maternity hospitals in the U.K., 273 of them offer labor and birth and water. Um, uh, Switzerland, uh, Germany, uh, Holland was a little bit uh, behind the times a little uh, for a while, but I've been teaching there since uh, 2006, and and they're catching up. They they have water birth in hospitals now, but they had a huge home birth rate, and the home birth rate has fallen, and the and the hospital natural childbirth rate has risen. So, um, so they're, they're working on that too. I'm going to be at a conference in uh, the Czech Republic in December, Home Like Hospital Birth is the title of the conference. And I'll be presenting on water birth and, and another, uh, a doctor is pr- from Germany is presenting on vaginal breach, um, which is uh, an accepted practice in some places, not mm-hmm. everywhere. But if it were left up to Dr. Frank Lowen from Frankfurt, Germany, he w- he's pushing it forward. And there's a group around the world that's pushing that forward as well. So we're making great strides, Deborah. I mean, honestly, we've never had 
more information and more access to information um, than any other point in our previous history. So a woman can uh, search the internet, they can find my website at waterbirth.org and um, I'm just, uh, we just launched a new website and so I'm getting busy uh, putting articles for download and and just educate yourself, read birth stories and, and talk to other women. So besides litigation, are you finding there's other objections from traditional care providers about water birth or is it really there is the whole lawsuit situation? Um, the uh, uh, One of my colleagues uh, within Water Birth International, she's a British midwife and she's our, our lead uh, governance uh, uh, coordinator. And that just talks about hospital protocols and, and things like that. And she did a survey uh, two years ago uh, of practitioners around the world. What's the what are the barriers to water birth? And the biggest barrier is lack of education. And the second biggest barrier is lack of equipment. Um, you know, installing the right kind of tubs. I went into a hospital uh, many times. I've done this. Got into a hospital in the U.S. and they haven't talked to anybody about room design or where to put the tub or how deep the tub should be, and they end up putting in a standard bathtub, and it's just not comfortable. It's not comfortable for women. And like you pointed out, you don't want to be uh, out in the middle of the room naked in front of everybody. Uh, I encourage women to wear a top or a tube top or a, a bikini top or uh, even uh, in China, they have these waterproof shifts that with elastic at the top that they put on. So you're not um, uh, exposed to everybody's view. But I work with hospitals to and uh, hospital architects to design the perfect space and get a tub that's at least 24 inches deep so that you you can squat in the tub if you want to have hand grips so that you can hold on and move your body and respond to your baby moving through the pelvis. One of the misconceptions that people have about water birth is they take birth as they've known it on the bed and put it into the tub, like put your legs back and push, push, push and hold on and, you know, and, and, if if that's what you're going to do, then fine, labor in the water and then get out because there's no benefit. The benefit, the biggest benefit for women is freedom of movement uh, during labor and during the birth process itself. Um, the expulsion of the baby, as I explained, happens automatically. And some people, the biggest question used to be, won't the baby take a breath under the water? And um, now the biggest question I get off of our website is, where can I have a water birth? <laughs> uh, will you help me get my hospital started? Um, I'll come back to the breath question in a minute. But if you are pregnant, currently pregnant and have less than 20 weeks to go in your pregnancy and your hospital has never, ever offered water labor or water birth, now's not the time to start. Um, because you might be able to get uh, permission to labor in a tub or bring a portable tub into the hospital, but to change the whole protocol of the hospital, educate the doctors, educate the nurses, um, takes quite a bit of time. 
So uh, I say, you know, I, I will work with a woman. She can she can go through that process. Uh, we send her articles, protocols, everything that she needs to uh, take to her doctor and to the hospital. But um, it's an uphill battle in the sense of introducing a new technique. But if she starts it during her pregnancy, she may get it for her next one. Yeah, her I, next baby. I totally agree. When you were talking a bit about bringing the tubs in and what I would see is one of the biggest obstacles, as you mentioned, is the education of the care provider, because I've seen yeah. issues with even the care provider having the mother on a different position than just her back for pushing because that's what they're taught. I've had problems with care providers saying like, I believe in squatting, but I, I'm not familiar. And then they become uncomfortable. So how are you, are you part of a system that's saying going to go in and educate the yes. different hospitals? That's good because otherwise yeah. just putting the tubs there, it's not going to help yeah. because then the care providers will be like, well, great, there's a tub here, but I still am unfamiliar with how to handle this. Um, I, uh, in November, I have uh, hospital certification programs going on in Minneapolis, Dayton, Ohio, uh, or actually Middletown, it's a suburb of Dayton, uh, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Fayetteville, Tennessee, this is all in November, and then we're, yeah, and then we're doing a big conference, a two-day conference in um, uh, Florence, Alabama, of all places, uh, and then there's another one in a hospital in Tampa, that's, uh, I've got six big conferences in November, and what I do is it's a six-hour course uh, for all nurses, all providers, all pediatricians, if they are willing to come, and um, and we cover all the basics, how to integrate it into your system. We talk about different positioning. We uh, I talk about pelvic releases and, and how the water helps with that. I show film after film after film after film of women giving birth in water and laboring in water. We answer all their questions, and then I go on to the unit and take a small group of nurses, and then we do drills uh, of uh, getting a woman out of the tub. Now, she just simply stands up, and the nurses unlock the bed, roll the bed over to the to the tub, and she stands up, either sits down on the end of the bed or crawls onto the end of the bed, and there you have it, and then put it back into place. We talk about the benefit of giving birth on hands and knees because of the pelvic positioning. I show pictures of the pelvis. Uh, it's it's just, and and. There was a midwife of 20 years that took a seminar this past Sunday that I did in Miami. She sent me an email that said, "Your uh, this workshop was um, uh, exceptional. Uh, I've been a midwife for 20 years and I learned so much. And now I have uh, I have no fear of attending women uh, giving birth in water." Oh, great! We need you up on the. I'm here on the East Coast, Northeast. Yeah. It would be great. I, I know, I know. I did, uh, I did grand rounds this year um, in um, uh, in where was I? I was. It was part of Morristown, but they had me come back. It was another hospital, a Chilton Medical Center, in New Jersey. And uh, I got the I got the doctors first thing in the morning. I was there at seven thirty in the morning for an hour, and oh my gosh, they were just blown away totally blown away. I love this. We're starting to, I like how you talked about in the other countries, about the 
home birth might be going down, but the, the birth and the hospitals meeting it, you know, being available to women to offer the same thing if they can't necessarily be at home. I want to circle back a little bit to one of the misconceptions uh, and this kind of preconceived idea about being afraid of the baby taking its first breath underwater. Do you mind touching on that? Yeah, I would be happy to do that. And let me just uh, give you one other thing about sure. that the the rates in the hospitals in Europe, they never lost midwifery. For every one obstetrician, obstetricians are highly trained specialists in surgery, there's 250 midwives. And so if the midwives, and in this country, it's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. For every one midwife, there's 250 obstetricians. So I, I say they can all become gentle birth practitioners. They can all become guardians of the birth space. I don't care what their education system was, but it's much easier in European countries because midwifery is alive and well and the predominant gatekeeper for um, maternity care. And so teaching midwives uh, uh, and, and physicians uh, the physiology of normal newborn breathing has been a challenge over these past 30 years because we, I was taught in midwifery or in nursing school and then in midwifery uh, programs that the baby takes a breath um, as soon as it comes into cold air and, and, and if it's in the birth canal for too long that it's going to suffocate because it needs to have the oxygen. And that is so absolutely 100% wrong. Now, babies grow in fluid. It's called amniotic fluid. And if a baby sometimes is born in an intact sac where the sac hasn't broken and but the umbilical cord is attached to the placenta. Just imagine that the placenta is your your diving um, um, your scuba you know, tank. Yeah, your scuba <laughs> yeah. tank. It is. It provides the oxygen. The placenta provides the nutrients, and and the uterus provides the warmth and the safety for uh, protection for the for this uh, fetus as it comes out into the water. Let's say the so the sac doesn't break at all. And it's, it's in this fluid-filled sac. It's the same thing going on. It's still getting oxygen from the placenta. It's still getting nutrients uh, from the placenta as well. And it's still cushioned and warm and protected. So now let's get rid of the amniotic sac. And the baby comes out into a tub filled with warm water that's about 92 to 95 degrees, which is skin temperature. So it doesn't have to be really hot. Um, and now we have an exterior womb that is protecting and comforting and warm. And we still have the placenta providing oxygen and nutrients to the baby. So we have a womb with a view um, that the baby unfolds and uh, and I see babies blink in the water and move their limbs in the water, and but they will not and cannot physiologically attempt to take a breath, even if the placenta separated, they would not take a breath. They would simply not have any oxygen. The only way for them to get oxygen is to come up into the air and be exposed to the force of gravity. 
in on on this spaceship earth that's hurtling through space we have adapted to 14.7 pounds per square milli, uh, to square inch 2 kilos per square millimeter of gravity that 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 brings us down and makes us weigh too much <laughs> so when we get on a scale um, if we gave birth uh, in the space station or on mars where there's no gravity we would have to create an adaptive system that would be absent of gravity because that gravity stimulates our neurological system. It stimulates our cerebral spinal fluid to go slightly acidotic, which then signals the brain, welcome to spaceship Earth. Um, and uh, we're going to close the portholes to that oxygen tank. And once that oxygen, uh, well, actually, it's the, it's the, um, it doesn't close it to the oxygen tank, but the baby's still going to get, get umbilical blood uh, through, the, through the cord, but it closes the shunts that allow the blood to go back to the placenta. And it closes those shunts, and the fluid that was in the lungs all during pregnancy now goes into the bloodstream of the baby it gets it gets sucked out basically it's the only time and, and this is a rather lengthy um uh explanation and i have a beautiful article on it called birth bath and beyond uh, the science and safety of labor and birth and water and i'll be posting that later today onto my website so anybody can download that and read it um and um uh, and learn the whole system. Once those shunts closed, it's a it's it's a it's a boom boom process, and the baby has to take blood from the placenta. This is why we want to leave the cord attached for at least the next contraction, three minutes at a minimum. And I know doctors don't do that either. But uh, delayed cord clamping or optimal cord clamping means that the baby receives all that blood. And we need to get that blood into the lungs so that the lungs can clear, oxygen levels can go up, and then the respiratory centers in the brain are stimulated. So if a breech baby's face, has a head has not been born, it can dangle and it's not going to suffocate in the birth canal. Uh, a vertex baby is not going to suffocate, and a water baby is not going to attempt to take a breath. It cannot. It's physiologically impossible. So that baby can swim around for a few seconds, and the mother can reach down and gently lift the baby up to her chest, or a provider can help. And we want it to be a gentle lifting out of the water because we want to check for a cord first after the baby comes out, not before, um, because if you if you just jerk the baby out of the water, uh, it might snap the cord. Um, so I call it slow emergence and just take a pause. Every birth should have a pause that refreshes, just a pause. And everybody takes a breath and then the baby goes into what I call the sanctuary. The sanctuary of the womb protects the baby, and the sanctuary of mother's chest is a safe place, a protected place, and a very sacred place where the baby can emerge and come into being 
it can birth itself into its whole being in that space, in that sacred moment. Oh, that's wonderful. It's such a clear explanation. Thank you. Because that is one of the things people have talked about and like, oh no, the baby's going to take its breath. Um, what about, you did mention the temperature of the water. Um, is that an issue that comes up? People having it too hot, too cold? Um, the, um, if it's too hot, the mother gets more exhausted. Because if you sit in a hot tub for longer than about 15, 20 minutes, you tend to get dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and the baby responds as well um, by having a rapid heartbeat. Uh, as there's changes in the mother's body, there's changes in the baby's uh, uh, physiology as well. So we rec- I don't care what the temperature of the water is. I mean, I've seen births in the Black Sea. I've seen births in the Sea of Japan. Um, and that water is not body temperature. <laughs> We're going to be lucky, you know, right here. I go swimming in the ocean here in Boca uh, quite frequently, and the water temperature is about uh, 28 Celsius, which is about 80, 80, 83, 84 uh, on a nice day. Um, And if the mother is comfortable, then that's the important part. It doesn't have to be warmed up at the time of birth. The baby can come out. I suggest that it's ambient skin temperature. Your skin is about 92 to 95. So uh, 30, 32 to 35 Celsius, perfect temperature um, to labor in, in, the, in the water. You know, Deborah, birthing in the water is not my goal. It's using the water for comfort. Mm -hmm. And you said it was the best non-pharmacological pain management. Well, I switched those around using neuro-linguistic programming, and it's the best non-pharmacological comfort management that God ever gave us. It, It helps women feel comfortable. It helps women feel safe. The three most important words you can say to a woman in labor except you're almost done, um, (laughs) is you are safe. You are safe. And I suggest uh, that women uh, take a prenatal aquatic class, uh, learn to relax in the water and and let go. And when I've been in water uh, doing some um, uh, water shiatsu, watsu with women uh, prenatally, you can tell where they're holding their tension. And you just touch that point, do a little healing touch in the water, and then they, they, their shoulders let go, their, their, their back muscles let go. And, and we, use, um, uh, we use pool noodles under their, their knees and behind their, their head. And, and then you see the baby. The baby comes alive. And I mean, it is moving inside. But when the mother relaxes completely and the baby says, wow, I suddenly have more room. And, and so when the baby kicks or turns, the mother's body moves in response in the water. And that teaches her that she's the vessel. The baby's the driver. The baby's the driver of this experience. And when I say uh, my mission is to welcome babies in uh, a way that's gentle and kind and, and, and spiritual and understanding, that's what I'm saying, recognizing that the baby has uh, a biological programming and an innate uh, way of being. And so does the, the mother. The mother has an innate um, uh, way of being in her body, and it's up to us as 
doulas and midwives and doctors uh, and nurses to help her be in her body, but help her feel safe in her mind. And that can happen on the floor, in the shower, in the bathtub, and be prepared to allow the baby to emerge in the water. That's that's what I want to communicate to people, that it's not about, oh, so-and-so had a water birth, so I want a water birth. And it's not about getting rid of the, the water. Yes, reduces the amount of trauma for the baby and liberates the mother's movement and makes her more comfortable. But it's not about that gold star that you're going to wear on your chest that said, I had a water birth and you didn't. No, it's it's not about that. So if you talk to mothers that have experienced water birth, they'll, they'll tell you a gamut of studies or, or of, of stories, their personal stories. Every person has their own story. Some of them are similar. Some of them are different. But if we can look at the water as a wonderful tool, a tool to to help normalize birth. In 2006, the uh, Royal College of Midwives and the Royal College of Obstetricians sat down at a table together and asked a very important and fundamental question. How can we increase the normalcy of birth? Not how can we decrease the cesarean section? How can we do VBACs? No, they asked just that simple question. How can we increase the normalcy of birth? And they discussed many things, doulas for every mother, uh, acupuncture, uh, aromatherapy, and they included the discussion of water. And the first conclusion that they came to was allow and promote water labor for every woman. And, and train the providers so that they know what to do if the baby is crowning and emerging in the water. So, um, And they put it in a joint uh, position paper. The midwives and the obstetricians came together and agreed 100% that the water was the best method. Yeah, I think it's a very underutilized tool. And I agree with so much of what you're saying about the aquatic uh, classes. We try to do that in prenatal yoga about letting the mom be in her body, feel her body, trust her body, and let her body kind of dance with her baby, like respond to what the baby needs to move and just kind of give herself over to that movement. And uh, and now you take that prenatal yoga, and we call it aqua yoga, and put it in the water. Uh, she gets there much faster um, and that was what Wallace Nichols was bringing us in Blue Mind was just that that healing power of water, that uh, that ability to let go, that ability to relax so much easier. Um, I can see it on their faces. I can feel it in their body. I've had women actually go to sleep while being held and moved in the water. They just simply go to sleep like a like a yoga nidra. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I have a uh, couple more questions, but are there sure. any risks or who would be risked out, if anyone, yeah. of a water birth? Well, we talked earlier about uh, complications and complexities of uh, a woman who who comes into labor. Mm -hmm. And if you're prior, if you begin your labor prior to uh, 37 weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not advised to be in the water. Um, And one, one of the things 
that I find interesting is depending on where you are and what part of the world you're in, but even what state you're in in the U.S., you might have a similar protocol, but based on your risk management system, somebody at risk in New York might not be at risk in Florida. And and similarly, somebody at risk in Florida might not be at risk in California. Mm-hmm. So I was just having this discussion about the, the uh, that I think we're limiting too many women from being in the water. Um, there are no deleterious effects from being in the water. Uh, you're a VBAC, you can labor in water. And there's been studies where you can uh, give birth in water, 85% success rate in one study, 75% success rate in another one, uh, laboring and giving birth in water. But let's let's say you have um, uh, hepatitis. Uh, most hospitals in the U.S. will say you're not a good candidate for a water birth. HIV positive, uh, AIDS, active AIDS, even uh, with a, a viral load that's that's uh, under control. Um, a just uh, a gestational diabetes can sometimes be risked out, but um, uh, type one diabetes. Uh, controlled with with insulin definitely risked out uh, hypertension risked out um, uh, meconium and any anything that happens during the birth that would uh, uh, require more more fetal monitoring or more fetal assessment is not a water is not a good place to be so uh, we we talk about all those uh, contraindications and some of them are controversial like let's say um, a woman that weighs 350 pounds but she's very active has a very active life in one hospital, she might be risked out, but I'm trying to get the, 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 the term BMI changed to proof of mobility. Can she climb in and out of the tub? Um, can, can the nurses uh, move the bed over so that all she has to do is stand up? That's the way I want every woman to get out of the tub after birth. Has she had a previous uh, postpartum hemorrhage? You know, so, so very... Um, common and sensical things are, are the, the reasons that some women uh, aren't encouraged to labor and give birth in water. Um, but I'll, I'll be writing more about that in my next book, uh, Embracing the Miracle. So it sounds like for the most part, if, if the hospital has the equipment or the uh, ability to, that the women could give birth in the water if the, if the care providers are educated on this education, the right equipment, the right training, and uh, and a vibrant prenatal education program that allays uh, people's fears and, and have them understand. You might be laboring in water, but if I, the provider, uh, think right it, without any proof whatsoever, physical, physically that something's going on if i ask you to get out of the tub you have to be you have to comply with my wishes um and uh that compliance issue has to be ingrained in women um uh when they go into a hospital anyway and and in assigned informed consent that says the the research shows this the obstetricians are concerned about this um and you have the right to make a fully informed choice this is great information do you have any other last minute tips for those considering water birth um 
whether it's a home birth or a hospital, anything that we haven't covered that you want women to know? Um, I didn't talk about infections in the water, but oh, okay. some women some women are very um, uh, afraid that they might poop in the water. And I've always used the the phrase the solution to pollution is dilution. So there is no increase in maternal postpartum infections or um, uh, newborn postpartum infections, even if a mother loses some stool in the water. We have standing by a handy-dandy pooper scooper. Uh, it's a little fishnet. That's, exact, fish it. that's exactly yeah. what I used at the one home, the one water birth I did. It was literally yeah. like a little green fish scooper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we fish it out, put it in the toilet, and the birth continues. And some women don't even know that they've done it, and it's perfectly fine. Um, I, and I, I think the, the most important message that I can leave with, with women is to um, um, prepare prenatally. Get rid of your fears because love and fear cannot coexist. We can intentionally change and uh, uh, the the and we change the environment just by putting a tub of water in a hospital room. The environment changes; those po- those negative ions go into our brain and. Everybody changes in that environment. Everybody can become softer and kinder and gentler. And if you don't feel comfortable in the water, um, then get out. Get out. One woman that I helped um, got out of the tub just uh, on she was at home and she got out of the tub and walked to the bathroom sat down on the porcelain self-cleansing birthing stool i.e. the toilet and that's where she was comfortable put a pillow behind her back and that's where she pushed out her baby and she looked at me after the baby was born she's holding the baby in the sanctuary and she said did i have a water birth and i said no but you can get back in the tub and birth your placenta there if you'd like <laughs> you know it's not the goal it's not the goal it's to follow the cues of your body uh, first time mothers if we're keeping track about um um let's say we take 100 women and we educate them totally about it, about 40% of them will birth in the water. 60% will birth someplace else. Um, Second-time mothers, about 80% of them will birth in the water if they're totally educated and and uh, given that option. So there, there's a there's a bit of a difference in there. So don't beat up on yourself. Learn all you can. Go to my website, waterbirth.org. If you have questions, just email me, barbara at waterbirth.org, and I'm happy to have a discussion with you about what your desires are and know that something else is in control of this process. It isn't us. It's the, it's the source uh, of all energy in the universe it has a hand in this as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I'm going to put on our show notes, uh, everything you mentioned, your website, um, you know, your social media, everything that people can find you and especially link to the article. Cause by the time we release this, your blog will have been out about the ACOG um, statement. So I'm really excited. Is there anything else you want to add? 
Um, I just, I love what I do. And I've, um, my uh, son, uh, Samuel, who was my first water birth, uh, turns 32 on Thursday. And uh, I thank all my children for the experience they've given me. And they're my greatest teachers, as well as all the women that I've helped. The women and the babies are my greatest teachers. I completely agree from my experience too. My kids, my students, they have taught me a tremendous amount. And yay for your son, another Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me and spreading your brilliance and letting people know about water birth if it was something they were afraid of. Uh, And I will let you know when this comes out. So I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you for taking time out of your day. It sounds like you're incredibly busy. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you. Barbara. Have a great afternoon. Uh All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.